In the last episode, we left off at the end of 2016, and I've decided to put the truck back on the road. I had a two-month break that really gave me some perspective, kind of helped me clear my head, and gave me a different way of looking at how I would operate the truck going forward. Now, going into this, I knew that I was um, kind of working without a net. I uh, I had no savings. Uh, I had um, really no backup plan uh, except kind of a joke that I made that, you know, well, if it all goes bad, I always go drive for Swift. So I hit the road December 27th, um, booked a load, took, took off, and I had decided that I was going to try a different tact. I, I wanted to come up with a daily revenue number before any of the percentages were taken out. You know, at Landstar, you have a gross number, and the truck gets 65% you get 100% of fuel surcharge. But the math gets really complicated if you're constantly trying to, you know, calculate what's my rate per mile after the percentage. And so I just kind of backed the math out and I said, okay, what is a, what's a number that I need to do every day? And I, I settled on $1,250 all in before any percentages are taken out that I'm going to do if a load takes a day it needs to pay $1,250 if a load takes two days it needs to pay $2,500 that's the minimum the absolute minimum and so if I do five of those a week that's a minimum of $6,000 gross revenue and after the percentages and stuff are worked out and I've run my miles and I've paid my fuel then you know I should have an adequate uh, revenue source to work with so that's what I did now this is January in 2017 2016 had been bad um, it had it had been rough for everybody it was just a really you know probably part of it because it's you know uh, all coming up on these elections and you know and it just it makes everything screwy and and nobody knows what's going to happen so everybody just holds their breath but i i was determined that i was going to do 1250 a day five loads a week and i was going to go from there and so i hit the ground running and much to my surprise it worked really well I had one week in February where I got the flu, and I was down for a week. Uh, but once I got past that, um, I took off again, and um, I was introduced to some new customers and new agents. And uh, as as the third quarter, uh, or I'm sorry, the first quarter, the third month was coming to a close, I was looking at my numbers. And I saw that uh, the to-the-truck revenue for January, February, and March was going to be about 
well there's four quarters so that means the minimum if I just replicated the first quarter which was horrible rates were bad volume was low um, you know it, it was not a good market and I thought well if I just off all I do is replicate this three more times the truck's going to make two hundred thousand dollars well that's that's going to beat my previous best at Landstar by about 50 grand well in any one of the years uh, you know 14 15 or 16 uh, an extra 50 grand would have would have changed my situation so I had I had started you know I got my little savings plan going I had uh, I had a couple repairs I had to get through I had to put a turbo on the truck so I put that turbo on right at the end of February and the truck ran better uh, than it had really since I'd gotten it um, a, a lot of you that if you've ever driven a 14 liter Detroit um, from about 2004 on they can get this we call the EGR cough and you know you'll go to hit the gas and it'll kind of cough and stumble and it's just a it's just a part of of these engines uh, I guess the EGR gets dirty and uh, the 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 actuator on the turbo and you know and of course all this stuff on my trucks you know easily got 800,000 on it so uh, I put the turbo on it and it fixed that the trucks running great fuel mileage is great um, everything is really headed in a positive direction I had picked up a new customer uh, a window customer out of uh, Pennsylvania and uh, I had actually done my old dedicated run one week. They needed some help covering a, a load. So I, I did that load. And I was going to deadhead down uh, to get the next load, which was another load of windows from a different supplier. And I stopped at the Petro in Scranton, PA. And I'd gotten there kind of early, like, you know, 6, 7 o'clock in the evening. And the weather was decent. It was, I think, in the 50s. So I shut the truck off, and uh, I had all kinds of time before I had to pick up my next load the next day. So I just I just kind of slept in, slept all woke up, got up, went in to take a shower, eat some breakfast, and I come back out to the truck and I fired up, and it ran perfect for five minutes, and then it started surging and puffing smoke and the accelerator wouldn't respond. I'd try to rev it up and it wouldn't do anything. I'd shut it off and I'd restart it and it was doing the same thing and I, you know, shut it off again and and waited and then started it back up and it's still doing the same thing. So I called the shop at the Petro and they had a guy walk up and look at it and he said he thought it had something to do with the fuel system, which I kind of knew was crap the minute he said it. I don't think he had a clue what he was talking about. But he said, hey, you know, bring it on down to the shop if you can get it to move. And uh, we'll, we'll put the computer on it and see uh, if we can figure something out. Well, I was sitting, if you've been to the Petro in Scranton, uh, when you pull in and, you know, you see the fuel islands, I'm kind of on the other side of the fuel islands, and I'm backed up against that hill. And so I thought, well, at the very minimum, it's pretty much downhill from my parking space to the shop. So if I have to, I can just kind of coast down through there. 
So I release the brakes and the engine automatically responds and it starts running a little bit different. And I notice that my throttle starts to respond. And I thought, okay, well, maybe we're getting somewhere. So I ease out of the parking space and I'm still puffing smoke. And the guy from the Petro, I had him on the phone trying to figure out which bay he wanted me to go to because I figured once I got rolling, there was no stopping until I got there. So I'm on the phone with him and I've got my, you know, my blue parrot headset on. You know, I say that because uh, for those of you that know, that's a noise canceling headset. You really can't hear stuff in the background uh, from somebody you're talking to on one of those. And as I'm rolling out of the parking space, another truck starts to come around the corner and he sees the smoke. And I think he he must have, uh, you know, realized that I was I was in trouble. So he stops. But I had also kind of hesitated and I was kind of rolling along in gear and I pressed the clutch in and suddenly with no warning the RPMs shot up as though I was standing on the gas pedal and it all of this happened in a split second but I knew I knew in my instinct that it was running away that you know when a diesel engine gets an unrestricted fuel source it'll just rev until it blows up and it revs so high so fast and in just in that split second I, I I dropped it into first gear and I let the clutch out and it brought the rpms down and I heard the the voice on the phone and the guy said oh my god was that you and I said yeah and there's just smoke everywhere well when I got the engine calmed back down to an idle I heard the knocking and I knew something inside had broken pretty bad. So I idled my way over kind of out of the way so I, I wasn't blocking anything and uh, I shut the truck off and I told that guy on the phone, I said, well, uh, buddy, I think we're done. I think it just blew up. And he was like, wow, man, he's like, I've never heard or seen anything, anything like that, you know. So for him to be able to hear that engine over that headset was pretty significant it was that loud it was just it's a sound you don't want to hear so i called freightliner dealer they couldn't see me for a week i called the detroit shop they said yeah come on down here and we'll get a look at it so i had to get a wrecker i walked around and found another landstar guy to hook up to my trailer and back it into a space and uh so with the wrecker i went to the detroit shop and i was already thinking about that joke that i had made well if it all goes wrong i'll just go drive for swift <clears throat> so when i checked in at the detroit shop i went back to the driver's lounge and i called swift and i filled out an application and i talked to the recruiter and and i was a mess um, and she wasn't very nice to me but i explained the situation i said hey i'm an owner operator my I think my engine just blown up and I need a job. So started through the process. Shortly thereafter, this guy walks in from Detroit and he's got a paper in his hand. That was an ECM report. And he handed it to me and he said, man, 3,577 RPMs. Uh, we, you know, we don't know, but it's broke. Um, 
and the only way we're going to find out what's wrong with it is to tear it down you know and and i had i had come up with a little bit of savings but i wasn't there yet my warranty had expired um you know just really a couple months before that i had 140,000 miles on the engine and 100,000 on the warranty so i was out of warranty um i didn't have any money and uh it was at this point that I knew we were done for good. Uh, fortunately, again, I had a good friend that lived close by. He lived in Harrisburg. And I called him and I said, hey, brother, I'm stuck again. And so he came up and picked me up and, and took me to his house. And I stayed there over the weekend. And <clears throat> I made arrangements. And I got a, uh, I put the truck for sale on Facebook marketplace for five thousand dollars i uh had my application in at swift i was already had an orientation date scheduled i rented a penske truck i went over there i took all my stuff out of it took all my landstar stickers off took my plate off took my qualcomm out and uh that was a sad day because i drove away and i knew that was the last time i'd ever see it again and you know i didn't know i I figured you know look buddy you've made such an enormous mess out of this um you've been given every opportunity um you know sometimes hard work's just not enough and uh there's no coming back and so the next day i drove home in the uh, little penske truck and i unloaded my stuff at the house and i prepared the next week <clears throat> to go be a driver. So uh, it was April 17th, I believe. April 7th was the day I woke up. April 17th, 10 days later, I started orientation with Swift. And, you know, you show up at Swift orientation uh, with 20 years of experience, and they kind of treat you like a cross between a god and a unicorn something they've never seen before and i immediately struck up a kind of a kinship with a, one of these fleet manager types and uh you know he appreciated my experience level and kind of where it'd come from and uh so they got me in a truck and i and i took off and and i'll i'll be honest there was part of it that was a really big relief because i knew that there was really next to zero responsibility on me they would schedule me loads i would pick them up i would deliver them um i think in the 30 days or so that i ended up being there i think i hit a dock like twice um so much drop and hook but i was digging as hard as i could to find whatever niche there was because if there's i've learned anything about these big companies they all have little niches but you, you have to find them you know little really productive dedicated accounts stuff that makes the money but my really my motivation going there was to go be a trainer because that's where the money is but you had to work i think it was six months or something before you could be a trainer and so i'm just kind of biding my time uh well let me back up so they issued me a really nice truck kenworth uh, I was I was really happy with that big nice T680, and uh, 
uh, it had a Cummins in it, and uh, I made it uh, just about 300 miles before it broke down. Fortunately, it broke down close to home, so I had a friend of mine pick me up, and I stayed at home for a couple of days, and uh, you know, uh, that one of those beauties of being a company driver is when your truck breaks down, they just get you another one. So they sent me after a truck. I picked it up, took it back to Columbus, and they issued me a Freightliner. I know there's a lot of guys that love Cummins, but apparently me and Cummins just aren't meant to be because uh, I've had two ISEX motors, and both of them were absolute junk. And so I'm just not going to tempt fate anymore. And if a Cummins comes along in my path, I'm just going to have to respectfully decline because <clears throat> for whatever reason, uh, me and Cummins just don't get along. So now I'm in a Freightliner, DD15, which I've never driven before, 2015 model Cascadia. I really, really liked that truck. It rode good. It was quiet. It really pulled good for a Swift truck. <clears throat> in my uh, talking with this fleet manager guy, he says, well, you may be interested in our craft dedicated. These guys run a lot of miles a lot of drop and hook stuff <clears throat> so he puts me in contact with a uh what they call him driver leader for this craft dedicated and i get on the phone with this guy and he goes well i hear you're old school and i said well i've been around a while whatever that means and he goes all right well we like to run and i said okay buddy let's go let's make money you know they're they're telling me <clears throat> that i could average 3,500 miles a week because uh, it's all drop and hook dedicated freight and I'm thinking man I'm making almost 50 cents a mile you give me 3,500 miles a week we're golden <clears throat> so they had a lot of these little little tiny short hauls for like Costco they'd be 150 200 miles but they paid you on a sliding scale so you know you might get 60 70 cents a mile on these little little short hops and um, so I'm going to deliver this little short hop and then I'm going to be handed over to these craft people and they ended up booking me on a load to Flagstaff and the guy said well just go ahead and run that and I'll pick you up after and I'm like okay great I uh, <clears throat> am on my way to Flagstaff and I get my paycheck and it's really light from what I expected it to be and I looked, and that little, whatever it was, 200-mile load had only paid 36 cents a mile instead of, like, 76, whatever that scale was. <clears throat> and so I called the, the payroll people, and she's like, well, no, that's, that's your rate. And I said, no, ma'am, that's not my rate. My regular rate is, like, 49 cents a mile based on my experience, and this is supposed to be on the sliding scale. And she says... Oh, it says here you're on craft dedicated. And I said, well, not yet. I haven't, I haven't pulled a load for them. And she says, oh, well, <clears throat> when they switched you over in the system, it just defaulted you to that pay rate. And I said, what pay rate? She said, the craft pay rate. It's 36 cents a mile. I said, oh, no, no, no. It's not for me. Uh, I said, ma'am, ma I'm a 20-year I'm a driver. I, I'm not... I'm not working for 36 cents a mile. She says, well, that's what the account pays. So 
I had to call old school Billy Big Rigger and tell him, thanks but no thanks. <clears throat> There's no way, absolutely not, under any circumstances, for anybody, anywhere, at any time, I'm driving a truck for 36 cents a mile. So I get back with the uh, original fleet manager guy, and he says, uh, <clears throat> well, we've got this other dedicated. It's a little lower miles, but it pays like... I don't know, 72 cents a mile or something crazy. He's like, but if you hustle, you'll be in good shape until, you, uh, until you're eligible to train. And uh, <clears throat> so at that point, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been bouncing back and forth between Phoenix and Southern California. And I was booked on a load to Minnesota. And uh, all the way across the country, I just kept thinking about it. And, you know, the consequences of, of all of this failure is really uh, wreaking havoc on me uh, and the house. Uh, things are going on at home. And so I started looking around on this, um, on this trip back, and I found a, uh, a local job that paid uh, $19 an hour and it's supposed to be 50 hours a week with an LTL company and I called checked it out and the guy said yeah this is it's a it's a temporary deal it starts out you get your foot in the door and then uh, you're able to go on to full time from there so I went ahead and made the arrangements and went home <clears throat> and I start with this uh, LTL company and unfortunately the guy that recruited me lied to me that the temporary part of the job was uh, just that. Uh, when I sat down with a terminal manager and I said, well, what are my opportunities here? And he said, there, there are none. And I said, uh, well, you know, if you could explain what there are none means. And he said, there are none. You know, this is a deal where I needed somebody to cover for a week. And these guys said that they could get me a driver for a week. And after this week, it's over. Well, I had gone in there and busted my butt, and the guy ended up giving me an extra week. Uh, and at the end of that week, he actually offered me a road position. Um, but but I told him, I said, man, I, I've been on the road for years. And uh, I'm kind of licking my wounds here from a really bad situation, and I've got to try to get, I've really got to try to get my life straightened out. So he told me that he understood, and uh, so that job ended in, uh, in June. And uh, at the end of July, I was able to uh, get a job with a company called Air Gas. Uh, they're kind of an international deal, uh, $19 an hour plus benefits. And uh, I started working there, and uh, <clears throat> it was an okay job wasn't terrible but I wasn't used to driving to work I never realized after 20 years of driving a truck and just kind of being either at work or not at work how much I loathe driving 45 minutes one way just to get to work and work 12 hours and drive 45 minutes home and you know now you're exhausted and you're ready for bed but uh, I made the best of it uh, seemed to make a good impression on the people there and they liked the work I was doing so I saw an opportunity to, 
to work overtime. I didn't really technically ask permission. I just kind of did it. So I would go in at 3 in the morning and work till 3.30. And nobody said anything. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, hey, uh, you know, 20 hours of overtime a week, um, you know, I can, I can make this work. As I got closer to the end of the year, I thought, well, you know, this is a company that probably has, I mean, they're multinational division of Air Liquid. This is a place that I could settle in, you know, and just maybe retire from. I still had that what if in the back of my mind what if I'd done things the right way what if I had sought out a mentor what if I'd done a lot of things but I still felt like the dream was dead uh, that I killed it I, uh, I killed it and set it on fire and buried it in a really really deep hole and I didn't think that I would ever see my way back to Landstar, uh, to being an owner-operator. I just figured the dream was dead. But 2018 would provide me with some new opportunities that I never saw coming. 